Guess what? What? I'm Andrew Fantasia. Oh, and I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. Oh my god, I didn't know that. I'm oh. so glad you told me. Oh. Uh. So what are we on Infinity Rewatch? Is that what's happening right now? Oh man, we didn't start the fire. But it's always turning since the world's been burned. It's funny because the our theme song's probably still going, so it's probably clashing with that in a, in a really Tony Stark, way. Iron Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> great, great stuff. Well, we're back for another episode, man. It is good to see you. It is good to Thank see you. Thank you, Aaron, for that intro. Yes. And uh Man. Don't forget to subscribe to us and yeah. and listen to the show. We we I always forget to say that off the top of the thing. And um, if you listen to us on one of those things where you can rate the show, please give us a good rating. Do it, or at least give Ryan a good rating. No, give us a good rating. Okay, there's no there's no I in Justice League. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I sorry, I had to, to I had to use that joke. I it's had terrible. To spell it in my head. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, um, but yeah, here we are, man. Yeah, don't forget to uh, rate, follow, and subscribe the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. Um, and we heard that you guys are, are listening to this, so that's great. You yes. know, we, uh, we're very happy to hear that. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys, so keep, uh, keep tuning in, checking us out. That being said, we are moving quite quickly. We are in Phase 2, and we are on the Captain America sequel known as The Winter, the Winter Soldier. Soldier. Speaking of moving quickly, um, you and your fiancé just showed me your pet snake and talked about how quickly she moves, and I got to, to touch her and have her wrapped around my arm. She's yeah. a cool snake. Um, and it's funny, I have a, a scary animal story that happened to me on my way here. And that has to do with Winter Soldier? Uh, it doesn't, but it's just funny because um, you just guys... setting are, the tone. That's I'm, all set, you I'm setting the tone. Um, because Winter Soldier is a, is a very uh, cold movie that takes Ooh. place uh, in, in a cold war. Uh, mm-hmm. But you don't actually see winter, but you do see winter out here today. And you don't expect to see animals out and about in the wintertime. Not really. Anyway. No, no, yeah. Not a lot. So I walked out of the house this evening. And um, there's, you know, I, I turn around, I lock the door, and there's a field right across from my, my door. And as I walked to my car, I literally got one step away from the door, and I see something running towards me. Not walking, but running enthusiastically towards me. And it was a full-grown skunk. Um, so oh, no. there, there's, there's few things that will, that will make me in the animal kingdom at least turn around and squeal with fear most of them are flying stinging insects the other is a skunk and the skunks are cute i think skunks are adorable but i just know that there's a whole lot of hassle that comes if you piss off a skunk so uh i ran back inside and i like waited and then i came back out and yet you still managed to get here early and i still managed to get here early <laughs> i will actually you know what pro tip mm-hmm. when you're dealing with forest creatures is to talk calmly and talk as if I'm talking right now, just calmly and consistently, because they are always surprised by a sudden noise. So as long as you go outside and just be like, hey man, today I am having a day, it's cool, we're having a good time, then animals will know that you're there and they won't freak out. You're part of the environment at that point. Yeah. So I should have. What you're saying is I should have talked to the skunk about yeah. Captain America: The Winter Soldier. You should, and and that's what we're going to talk yeah. to you guys about. So skunk, if you're listening, this one's for you. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in six years, Ryan. Oh my god, you waited that long. I know. I literally only. Wa- this is the the cutoff point. I've mentioned before how with Phase Two, a lot of Phase Two, I have not seen it since the theater. Okay. This is the cutoff point. After this, 
everything else I've seen like multiple times. Mm -hmm. But this was the last one where I'm like, man, I don't remember a whole bunch of this movie. This this movie actually, oh man, um, this is the part where you usually jump in here with the facts, what year it came out. Um, oh, um, oh god, what year? Keep talking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna so what mentally year it came out, came and then like the writers behind it and stuff like that, and the directors. Um, this was the first introduction, our introduction of the Russo brothers. Spring 2014. Uh, there you go. Right out of the gate. That was through my head. I didn't yeah. look it up. This was advertised during the Super Bowl. It got its first trailer during the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl, and it was like the first real trailer. Um, the Russo brothers came in. Now, this movie, uh, there is a scene I'm going to talk about later on, but they pitched they pitched this, that they wanted to direct this film, and they're big comic book nerds. And usually when a director comes in and says, yo, guys, I'm a big comic book nerd. I'm going to do this. You're kind of skeptical. As as a fan, you're going to be skeptical because you know that it's going to be a money grab. And uh, and you know, with Marvel movies, we had Brian Singer. You know, he's great. We loved Brian Singer. But when you came in, you're like, I'm a big X Men fan. I don't feel like you conveyed how much of a fan you were. No. <laughs> uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. You explored X Men as best you did. Uh, but. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say that there are some directors out there when they say they love um, uh, comic book movies and they want to direct one. Chances are they pick one or two of like the most popular comics and then make a movie based on that, um, which doesn't give you a lot of character substance. This is not the case with the Russos, and the Russos are brothers, and they clearly are fans, and having two directors being able to manage uh, as much that is going on in Winter Soldier. You're in for a ride. You are yes. in for a ride. And I will talk about what sold the movie later on, but they uh, like what scene specifically. But um, they went in saying that they wanted a movie that was similar to Heat. And Ooh, okay. oh man, I was just thinking about the other movie earlier. Um, it was Heat. French Connection? Uh, no, no, it wasn't French Connection, but it does that does feel the same as well. Okay. Um, Terminator. Terminator Ooh, 2. Terminator. Uh, you actually get a lot of Terminator 2 feels in there. And there was one more, and I will get back to you on what that is, but I can't remember right now well, off the top of my head. There's one movie that this always reminds me of, especially because of the climax, but mm -hmm. uh, it's The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. It reminds yes. me so much of The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Winter Soldier. Now, this again, is based on a very popular comic book, but it does a really good job of taking key elements from that comic book and adapting it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe story progression. Mm -hmm. um, I have the comic book. It is... it. There are so many characters where I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then like I see all the pieces being put in place. Um, so this movie had a lot of emotional resonance with me, uh, and I love how the Russos did it. Uh, they really sold, and they, and they really delivered an incredible comic book experience. So we have the Russos. It's 2014, Winter Soldier. Here and, we go. And it's their first... I don't know what their resume is like before this, but it's their first MCU movie, and... Here we are five years later, six years later, sorry, yep. and they're probably the most in-demand directors in Hollywood because yes. of what they've done. With oh, this yeah, because of the bank they brought in, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, actually, so, uh, so the Russos, um, they are definitely the most sought-after comic book directors, uh, that's for sure. But the Russos, what they did before this was Arrested Development. 
Yes, you're right. They did do Arrest the Valley, and they did some community as well. Yes. That's where they came from. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So they came from comedy TV and completely they, unrelated. Yeah, <laughs> like small little TV shows, and they are literally making the biggest movies ever made. Yeah. Um, do you think there is a chance Ryan will uh, see them tackle a Star War one day? Or and would you even want to, or would you want them to just keep playing in this world? Personally speaking, I think that I think that they really have cornered uh the Marvel side of the of disney uh at this point and i can't even believe we're saying that uh but uh i will say that it feels like with disney production right now they really have kind of a close-knit community with john favreau uh opening up marvel getting marvel taken off and now he's working on the mandalorian he's got mm-hmm. that taking off um, so I would not be surprised if they asked the Russos to handle that, to handle a Star Wars project. Um, but it does seem like that they all seem to rotate and do movies within the different productions. Um, so it's possible, but that being said, Marvel's gotten so big that it does help to have Russos because I honestly don't see how you could have done Avengers with one director. I yeah, really don't I think, see. I think you're absolutely right. And it really helps that they're brothers because I don't think, I mean, I know a lot of siblings who fight, but I don't see them being as the kind of siblings who go into this thinking, I want to do what I want to do. Oh yeah, well, I want to do what I want to Like, I don't see yeah. that being a thing. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. here's what we both love. Like, I feel like if you and your brother directed a comic movie would be the same thing. <laughs> well, we, we the Whitehead thought- Brothers present <laughs> yeah. Fantastic Four. Oh, the dream. Can we live in that world, please? Can we, Can we live yeah. in that world, please? Yes, yes, I want it, I want it, I want it. Um, but but to be fair, brothers usually do well in, in TV shows and stuff. Um, you know, the other one that comes to mind is the, uh, I want to say the Duffer Brothers. So, yeah, the Stranger Things guys. The Stranger mm-hmm. Things guys. Um, they, they did an incredible job. Uh, there's also, uh, I want to say the Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers. I'm not a fan of their stuff, but I don't think it's bad. It's just not yeah. for me. But yeah, the Coen Brothers. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sorry, Isabella. You don't want to upset. We don't want to accept it. She's got a snake. She can hurt me. Um, yeah. At least she's not swearing this time. They are. They they, they do, you know, their, their stuff is always really well acclaimed. And also, the Wachowskis. Yeah, the Wachowskis. Who, like they, I love all the stuff they make. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see them do a Star Wars. I want to see the Wachowskis. I do would Star love Wars to so see the Wachowskis bad. do a Star Wars. Uh, the Wachowskis do, does an amazing perspective on what uh, I was going to say Wi-Fi, sci-fi. Uh, they they do an amazing perspective on sci-fi. We, we just think that if you have four bars, it's better than three. <laughs> Sorry, which is funny because my Wi-Fi is called Sci-Fi. It's just it's just layered cake here. Um, but but the Wachowskis have a really keen mind for sci-fi, and they do a wonderful job creating a um, a modern taking our modern look, but bleeding it into sci-fi. And one of my favorite moments of that is definitely in the first matrix um just seeing like the apartments that they go through and stuff like that and the i love the the dojo mm-hmm. and it's just like oh so cool and they have a great eye for detail mm-hmm. which is what i love about them i don't know if you ever saw their movie cloud atlas 
Did you see I have seen it. Yeah. The detail that they just put into like the props of like if that if this guy's carrying a briefcase um, because of who he is, we're gonna have it be this exact color and make of briefcase, and the latches on the lock are gonna be shaped like this yeah. because that shape is in his apartment, and like that theme, like they are so keyed into detail. That's why I think them doing a movie like Star Wars would just be a buffet for the eyes it would be absolutely so so we have the russos we have these brothers and again we haven't heard of them at this point again and to be fair guys like as as you're listening um when my when my brother and i do brother scrim my brother was a big fan of rest of development but i'm pretty sure he never heard of the russos before this either so Mm. you have and that and this is what marvel does best is they find people who are on the break of doing like becoming famous Mm -hmm. and they bring them onto a marvel project and still give you this uh still give you this um indie film feel but such high production and this movie was a high production like you can really feel they went all in on these dollars oh, yeah. uh, and gave you this movie spectacle and it starts off really nice too it starts off washington in the uh the washington monument area where homecoming also happens yeah uh down the road so uh, you have Falcon just running and then Cap's just booking it, sprinting faster than Falcon. And he's doing the on your left. And it's so it's so cute. It's such a cute moment to start the movie. And that might be one of, I think, just the coolest or at least my favorite, like running, not even jokes, because it's not really a joke, but like just running lines throughout mm-hmm. the MCU, a line that keeps being repeated. It's like, it's almost like on your left, could be the MCU's version of I have a bad feeling about this. Like it's yes, just their, their yeah. famous thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you saw it, but I think after Infinity War came out, there was a meme somebody made. Because <laughs> like everybody was just going nuts of how good Infinity War was. Yeah. So somebody made like a, a meme where it was uh, Steve Rogers and uh, the Falcon. I forget his real name. Um, Sam Wilson. Sam Wilson, thank you. Steve Rogers, Sam Wilson running. It was this shot from Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve, there's the subtitle of Steve saying, on your left as he's passing him. And up over Steve's face is the Marvel logo, and over Sam's face is the DC logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man. Um, actually, there was during uh, during Infinity War, there was actually a lot of making fun of DC because wow. Marvel was so well established at this point, wow. and DC was fighting for attention uh, with, uh, I believe it was Batman v Superman, and that was they're supposed to be their big lead into Justice League, and um, this, the actor Anthony Mackie who plays Sam Wilson, he actually heckled DC a lot during the press run, which was really funny to watch. Anthony Mackie's a hilarious dude. You know what? He's today's Will Smith is is what I will say because yeah. his humor is very reminiscent of Fresh Prince, but he mm-hmm. brings he literally brings a f- fresh perspective to it, and he's such a fun person to watch. He's yeah. so fun. He just always seems like he's enjoying. He loves that he's playing the Falcon and he's enjoying every second of it. It's like I I wish you know in a, in a better world and more beautiful world more actors would be like that yeah you know? and, yeah oh absolutely and and yeah, they actually made a joke during the uh the civil war uh press run you could tell i, wa- I watched these very closely mm. um he did a joke where he, where uh they were like oh man uh 
Chris Evans was making the joke. He's like, oh, man, anytime Sam Wilson comes on to set, there is a 10% drop in productivity, <laughs> but a 10% increase in fun. And, it, like, they're all making those jokes and stuff. And it, But you can tell they're all having a good time. It was actually, it was, um, it was actually my boy uh, who plays Winter Soldier, uh, Sebastian Stan, and he was making that joke, but it was mm. really funny. Uh, anyway, so, and also, this jogging scene... Already, they introduce you to a new character, and yes. during the press run, they did they did talk about the Falcon being in the movie. And if you read the comics, you're like the Falcon, like yeah. really? This guy, his little bird that he talks yeah, to, yeah, his, his bird, uh, <laughs> his bird, Red Wing, uh, and uh, and you just. You're just sitting there. Like I remember, I remember when they told, my brother told me about Winter Soldier was coming out. He's like, "Yeah, the Winter Soldier's coming out, and they're bringing in the Falcon." I'm like, "A Falcon? Are you kidding? Like this is a lame character." I hope he recorded you saying that I and then played it back after this my movie. words. Oh my god! <laughs> and and then, but they showed the concept art, and I loved how tactical mm. he looks. And they found a great way to bring him in, modernized as this like military airborne trooper. And it's such a great way. And so in this first few seconds of the movie, right away, we're given a new comic book character. And he's he's great. He's such a great character. He's a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure you've done this too, but this is something I remember wanting to do. Mm. And I finally did it. As I freeze-framed um, Cap's catch-up list. Yep, yep, uh, yep. We're on the same page there. So here, I'm going to read out what he's got there. He's got I Love Lucy. Yep. Um, which, yeah, you shouldn't miss I Love Lucy. He's got the moon landing. Uh, this is funny. Berlin Wall, and then in brackets, up and down. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, brackets, Apple. Um, to be honest, I don't know why that's such a big deal. Um, maybe just because they're cool. Cool technology. Pisco, I don't know what that is. Should I know what Pisco is? Uh, yeah. Uh, Thai food. That's true. I guess in the 40s, they didn't really uh, eat a lot of non-American food in America. Uh, he has Star Wars, which is the worst franchise ever made, so I don't know why. Oh, my God. Uh, just kidding. I love you, Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Nirvana. And uh, then my my actual favorite one is he has Rocky, the movie Rocky uh, written down. Yeah. And then next to it, in brackets, Rocky 2? question mark. So do you know uh, do you know about that to do list? Do you know uh, do you know anything more about it? Uh, I feel like I'm about to. I feel like I'm about to learn, get some knowledge. So, so uh, in different parts of the world, that list is different. Oh my God, that's awesome. So in the United States and Canada, it's like you said, it's I Love Lucy, Moon Landing, Berlin Wall, Steve Jobs. Uh, I I feel like it's Picasso. Uh, no, it's not. What did you say it was? Pisco? It's Disco. <laughs> oh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, Disco, uh, Thai food, Star Disco. Wars, Star Trek, Nirvana, Rocky, Rocky Two, and then he gets the Trouble Man soundtrack. Um, and then in United Kingdom, it's uh, a TV. Uh, hold on, I can't read it. James Bond TV be show on. Sherlock, mm. Moon Landing, The Beatles, World Cup Final 1966, Sean Connery, Thai food, Star Wars, Star Trek, Nirvana, Trouble Man. Uh, and then in Korea, it's Dance Dance Revolution. Wow. Jisung Park. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Old Boy, 2002 World Cup, Disco, Thai Food, Nirvana. Uh, Old Boy is a wonderful Spain movie. is uh, Rafa Nadal, uh, Chup, Chup, Chupa Chups, Heroes del Silencio, 
1987 Constitution, uh, Camilla Jose Silla, Camilo, maybe, I don't know, I can't read it, the writing here, uh, and then what else we got, uh, Latin America, Chilean Miners Rescue, uh so and everyone everyone is different i mean we could go on and on and on that blows my mind that's yeah. so cool of them to do that yeah every there's so there's one for italy there's one for australia new zealand russia uh france so different at brazil there's a different one in brazil germany it's all there and i mean talk about going above and beyond mm-hmm. the if there's one character in the MCU who it would be understandable if you didn't do this, it's the guy whose name is literally Captain America. Yeah. You know, yeah. if if somebody had given the note like, hey, his name's Captain America, maybe just have him want to know about the American stuff. I could understand that, but I love that they went above and beyond. It's just like, nah, let, let's, let's you know, give those let's, audiences yeah, something. Yeah, let's That's see great, it. man. Yeah, no, it's great, right? Um, so yeah, and then, uh, so I love it that the widow comes up in a car that is called the Stinger. Ooh, I don't know cars. See, this is why I keep you around. I don't yeah, know. It's a I don't Corvette. It's, it's a Corvette Stinger, I think it's called. Uh, and so Widow Sting, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the classic. Now, this is my favorite look of Black Widow. She's got the long, straight hair. And I don't want to get too much into I don't want to get too much into how she should look, but I really feel like they just get her look from the comics. Like this is a real Black Widow comic book looking character. Yeah. Um and again, it's 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 a little thing, but I just feel like the Russos get Black Widow and for some reason her presence in this it really is an upgraded version of what we saw with john favreau's version of iron man 2 um and just really just getting it right i feel like whedon made some creative differences but russo's did they just get her like she's just like this uh like she's just this um i don't want to say playful because it's a poor word but i'm gonna say playful and but at the same time she's like cold like just cold killer i had i had a note about her um and i want to see if i can find it uh oh yeah here here it is now this isn't me necessarily disagreeing with you i think she she was cool in this but i wrote down and i remember feeling this when i watched it something about the way natasha acts slash speaks in this movie feels out of character to me i think they tried to make her more abrasive and i oh yeah this was me trying to find a reason for it i was i I put together that i think they were trying to make her seem a bit more antagonistic and a bit more suspicious uh so that she would be a red herring because the whole thing is like cap doesn't know who to trust so she was very sort of like because we know now we've you know we've seen the whole story we know like what Mm -hmm. a good friend she is to cap and in this one she was very like Hmm, like the, she was prickly about stuff. Like she, she seems like she was acting like she was up to something. Well, so in the comics, Black Widow is often very one, like one tone. Like she's always like just the seductive Russian accent type. Hmm. Um, but though, even in the cartoons, they kind of play her off as like, "Oh, hello, I'm Natasha Romanoff." Like it's very seductive Russian. But one thing that they do in the comics a lot is she's always doing things that make her seem like a double agent. Always. Oh, cool. Okay. So so you're constantly questioning what she's doing. But in the end, 
right at the critical moment she does the right thing and then you realize she, she was de cover off for Nick Fury and this whole thing. So I see why the Russos did it that way because they were trying to make her seem like there's more to her story. Yeah, and this whole, like, the, the sort of... Uh, mission statement of this whole movie up until you figure out what's going on is mm-hmm. like don't trust anybody yeah so exactly they, that yeah. that that is perfect uh mm. reason for her to be acting the way she is so i love the uh the launch satellite warship scene uh mm. this is really cool we finally see cap in you know and it's funny talk about consistency you know one of the things we talk about in acting classes a lot is and it's something that's mentioned a lot and i feel so bad the continuity person the hell they have to go through to make sure everything's (laughs) in the right place but talk about continuity in mcu so in the first captain america movie we see cap throwing his body weight around he's not quite graceful with it yet he doesn't quite get his body this time around, he is very in tune with his body, oh, yeah. and you see him do a lot of parkour, and and which I thought was brilliant. You know how do you how do you control your your body weight when you're literally a wrecking ball at this point, like because your speed and strength. Um, in this case, you see him like just like cut cut and turns. But I wanted to bring up the ship because uh, the briefing to get onto the ship before uh, before Cap, where he talks about his barbershop quartet and everything. <laughs> um, but you're or- already introduced to Rumlow. Yeah, Frank Rumlow. Frank Rumlow. Or no, Frank Grillo. Yeah, is Frank. The actor. Yes, Frank Grillo. And I think it's Mark Rumlow who plays who yeah. his character is is called. We, they, he's mostly known as Rumlow. Rumlow so yeah. yeah. So Rumlow, if you read the Winter Soldier comic, you know he's Crossbones. Mm-hmm. So right, Which I the, haven't, so I didn't. So right out of the gate, yeah. you know he's 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 up to no good. Uh, and then they mentioned George George Batrock, and, yeah, uh, aka the Bat- Leaper. Batrock the Leaper. The Leaper. He's actually a very very like delisting cat villain. <laughs> like he's, yeah. but he was known for he he's known for leaping around. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So to see him played by the wonderful George Saint Pierre, who is a Canadian. French Canadian MMA fighter. Um, he uh, he did a great job. I mean, perfect casting. I think is the safe word for it. Perfect. Well, casting. this is what I like. I mean, this is a perfect example of how comic books can really take advantage of athletes because um, the leaper. I mean, the leaper doesn't need a lot of story development or a lot of character Mm. and don't get me wrong you could easily give george st pierre more lines more story and all that but it was perfect you Mm. gave him just the right amount of screen time but you gave him a fight scene and man that dude was undefeated for a long time um and he's an incredible fighter he's and you saw it like you saw in that fight scene just all those kicks and that punching like just that whole sequence on his pirate ship there, mm-hmm. that might be some of my favorite stunts in the MCU. Yeah. Because they're so they're so grounded, you know, nobody's um firing bolts or anything like that, which I love too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's just him and Natasha running around this this boat, silently taking folks out. It feels like in an Arkham Asylum game when you have to like silently, you know. It felt like to... a covert mission, yeah. right? Like it, yeah. it, they did such a great job keeping that tone that this is a covert mission and they're there to like get their shield agents and get out. Mm. Um, but I agree with you. Like it, but it's, it's so well choreographed. And what I love is like, you see Cap even use like old moves, like throwing the knife, yeah. right? Uh, stopping the guy from hitting the button. Uh, and I even love Widow. Uh, Widow does her like takedowns uh, with the cool luchadore kind of moves. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, it was an incredible, but that, that leaper fight scene is so good. I love how like, it's very kind of fighting game where it's very two dimensional. Yeah. And it was great for where it fell in the movie chronologically. Mm -hmm. Cause like you said, he's not, he's like a D list cap villain. He's basically the, the shocker to cap Spider-Man. Like yeah. he, he's not a final boss. He's not final boss material. No, but I love that they use athletes cause they have yeah. the size and the build. Like I love when, um, uh, in Punisher, the one with, uh, the one with what's his name? The first Punisher, uh, not, not, the 80s one, the 90s, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane's Punisher. They had the Russian, who's a famous comic book villain for the Punisher, and they used Kevin Nash, who's a wrestler, and he's a six foot seven. Kevin Nash is a big dude. He's a big, he's a six foot seven tall wrestler guy, so he's big and bulky. Doesn't have to say much, but the fight scene they do is incredible just because the physicality, mm-hmm. that's the word I was going for. The physicality these athletes bring to these characters is so fun to watch. That's why The Rock, when he when he took off in The Mummy, the physicality of his, his presence is is so good. So for George St. Pierre to play uh, George Basharock, uh, the Leaper, was really cool. And it again, once you saw the name, you're like, oh, snap. Yeah. There's another character. So already we've been introduced to four Almost four new characters. Right, three. Sorry, three new characters. It's, actually, I'm going to start marking that right now in mm. our Marvel uh, character encyclopedia. Because why not? That so list we, is building. It's man. such Ooh. a big list now. So we got Falcon slash Sam Wilson. Yeah, he's here. He's here. We got him. Uh, then we got Batroc de Lipper. <laughs> George Batroc. And, and he's even got the mustache. He's like, yeah. he had a little grown in, but he, he had the his mustache is super pointy. Like he wears these like pilot goggles in the comics, and he's got like a purple kind of skin hat. Oh, wow. yeah, I, I, or I don't know, like a, a wetsuit hat. Like it's it's a really weird look for that character. But he's known for like again like very acrobatic fighting style, which is pretty cool. And then crossbones. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, yeah, and, and crossbones. And then we're introduced to our fourth character because when when uh, Widow lands on the ship, Widow says, uh, uh, what about that neighbor? Because she's talking about dating people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She talks about what about that neighbor. And so, you know, in the comics, uh, the Winter Soldier comic, his neighbor is Sharon Carter, mm-hmm. uh, which is also, a.k.a. Agent 13. So, so that's another comic book character introduced. So we oh, were, right. we're given Carter. just like, you know, comic book reference after comic book reference. And we get that funny scene with Jasper Sipwell where he talks about like, oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't negotiate. Like, <laughs> such a classic cheesy line. Um, and then Cap goes back. And the other thing I love about Cap in this one is he's already wearing his uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. cell suit. Yeah. Which looks amazing. You know, we haven't seen Cap since uh, since Avengers. And his suit was not as good. As, uh, I love as, the Avengers suit. I love how bright it is. Uh, but uh, like his first Avengers suit was really tactical and very World War II period piece kind of thing. But the Avengers suit was a little more skin tight spandexy. Mm. But this one felt modern, right, and very cool. Just it was yeah. a very cool motorcycle kind of gear outfit. Um, and it was so the ship is a great scene, a lot of fun. Um, and then we go back to Nick Fury, and uh, and he talks about compartmentalization. And he said, "The last time I trust someone, I lost an eye." Yeah, I I wrote that down here. Is he talking about Goose the Cat? 
because he, trust, I'm, he I'm, trusted Goose. You the guys cat. can't see me right now, but I'm sadly nodding to this because <laughs> there are so many ways. There's so many stories where he lost his eye, and you can like, you can do the math of like which one was really cool. So when he talks about that he lost an eye, uh, he was early in his shield days. There was a stowaway on one of his missions. And it was it was the Winter Soldier, and he set off a bomb close to him, and that's what blew off his eye. The shrapnel blew off his eye. I feel like Nick Fury is the kind of guy who it's like it's like the Joker in the Dark Knight, where mm. every day he has a new story of how he got his scars. I feel like that's Nick Fury. I hope that's the case. Uh, but yeah, the fact that it turned out to be Goose the Cat. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who was in charge of that, but I don't know. It didn't feel like a didn't feel like a good way to add it in there maybe maybe he's like embarrassed so he makes up better stories <laughs> it's like george lucas uh, yeah but I, what i'm that. saying is is like i would have actually preferred him to, to lose lose the eye in an actual, in an actual lack one. of trust situation <laughs> but uh well he trusted that cat he was cuddling him the whole movie yeah uh but, no uh, george lucas made that joke a lot um where there, he's talking about how anakin has the scar in revenge of the sith and he was asked in an interview how did anakin get the scar and George kind of joked around, and he's like, "Well, I'm, you know, that's that's not really important. I'm not going to tell you." Uh, uh, he goes, "If you were to ask Anakin, who knows what he would say? Maybe he got it slipping in the bathtub, but he's not going to tell you that." <laughs> oh my god! Which is funny because in the Clone Wars uh, cartoon, they show he does this like tribal thing and he gets a scar from it. Yeah, but again, like that's cooler way than freaking cat scratching your eye. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so. Um, so first of all, I also want to talk about, uh, so uh, Nick Fury shows off the new helicarriers. So mm-hmm. again, it's cool to see that we're getting the new helicarriers in this. And also um, the, the other thing is uh, I love Cap's philosophy like session with Nick Fury where he talks about this isn't freedom this is fear yeah and then he was talking about well what you did in World War II was just as bad if not worse and it's like yeah we did that to sacrifice and I love that kind of storytelling where it's like you know I love that we're we're fighting against beliefs Mm -hmm. and that they're debating it out so that was really cool yeah Fury is a very interesting hero because he's He's sort of, you know, he's a very political hero. He's very, he, as a politician is wont to be, he is manipulative. He has his yeah. own agenda. He will use people to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's definitely on the side of good, but he's not going about it in the way that normal heroes do. So right. it's, it, it makes sense he would butt heads with these people, especially Cap, who's like, by the book, like, let's help old ladies cross the street. Like, he's that kind of hero. Mm-hmm. And then along comes Nick Fury, is like, let's profit off war. For good! Yeah, for good. But let's profit off war. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's, it's crazy, because, like, yeah, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D., it's funny though too because you this is we're getting more of a look into what Shield's operations are, mm-hmm. and at this point, I first of all I also love the little nod that like oh yeah we're using new repulsor tech from Tony Stark like yeah more of that Marvel I want to hear as many references like oh yeah we had Banner help us do this like I love oh, so it's cool. it's the smallest thing yeah. but like I love hearing it right so the the other thing about this is uh, we get Cap going to the museum. Yes, and this is beautiful. I I hope that is that is actually an exhibit in the Smithsonian, but I de- sincerely doubt it. Personally, I actually had a question for you about when he goes to the museum because mm-hmm. uh, the display uh, where he looks says that the current U.S. president 
in the world of Winter Soldier is named Matthew Ellis. Yeah. Is that a Marvel character? No. Okay. So it's just the name they made up. Yeah. It's just the name they made up. They need a president. Because, like, funny enough, though, most of the time when in the Marvel comics, mm-hmm. um, during their events, they actually use the related president to that event. Yes. So, um, uh, when the unfortunate events of 9-11 happened, they actually had Obama be a character in the Marvel run. Uh, and he meets Spider-Man and all that stuff. So, um, when yeah. Bush was president during 9-11. Or, sorry, Bush. Yeah, sorry. Bush. Uh. But they also had... I do remember when he met Spider-Man, though, yeah, when Obama met him. Yeah. When Obama met And so they do have, like, they try to keep it as close to, like, the real events, the real world yeah. events. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Bush administration. Wow, my history is off. Um, but, yeah, so... Welcome that... to President Cast with Ryan and Andrew. Ooh, yeah. Who was president when you were born? <laughs> if the answer is Eisenhower, <laughs> come on our show. We, we need to talk. Yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the museum scene. Now, when Infinity War happened, we'll talk about this during Infinity War. Uh, I'll make sure to make note of it. Um, but I listened very closely to the Peggy Carter scene because she talks about the man that Cap rescued is the man that she married. Ah, okay. That's interesting because I've, I... I found something else in the Peggy Carter scene. Oh, what'd you find? Well, f- first of all, don't hate me, Ryan. Um, but if there's one thing I would change about Winter Soldier, I wouldn't have Peggy still be alive in 2014. I, d- I thought that was a bit of a stretch. Like, I think the tragedy would be more tragic and more beautiful if she's if she's gone by the time he comes out of the ice true uh actually in the comics she was alive wow she was alive and he goes to visit her um but the difference there's there's a couple of different iterations in the ultimates she is alive and she ended up she ended up uh uh she ended up being with bucky barnes Ooh, okay uh mm-hmm. and there's a cute scene where cap comes back to visit both of them and they're super old and then cap uh, when Cap meets Bucky again, uh, he goes, I hear they call you Buck now. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a cute little scene there. Mm-hmm. But that's the Ultimates version. Uh, in the comics, in the, the Winter Soldier version, she is alive, but yeah, she's like married off to like other someone else. And, and yeah. she's super old. But the whole point is like he's, he's still holding on to these things when he should be moving on, and that's yes. like the constant message. Yeah. Um, so I can I hear what you're saying that like, yeah, it was. It's it's an odd choice, and like you can, mm-hmm. there's a lot you can do, and a lot of juice you can wring out of the story, if she's dead too. Like it's not like it would you'd be missing out mm-hmm. if she was gone. Well, the idea was um, in Avengers the movie. Oh, here's some more fun facts that we didn't even talk about in the Avengers movie. Uh, there was a deleted scene where he has a letter from Peggy, and he's gonna he was gonna go see her, but he chooses not to do it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because that's true. We never see the scene where he finds out that she's still alive. Yeah. That's interesting. So there okay. was supposed to be a scene there. And it's it's a very important scene that needs to, that needed to happen. But they, I feel like Winter Soldier was right to do it, that she's she's in her bed. She, I wouldn't say... I don't know if she's on her deathbed, but she's just in her bed. Yeah, she's not getting out of that bed. Yeah, she's, she's not in good shape. So you yeah. said that she tells him in Winter Soldier... In, in the museum... During her video, where she talks about, um, she talks about, she talks about a mission, and then she mentions he ends up saving someone who ends up being my husband. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Now, now, when when the events of Endgame happen, 
I thought that there was some way she phrases it to protect that Cap went back in time and saved her. But the whole point of Endgame was that when you go back in time, it's a different universe. Like it's not the you're not going back in your time. You're going back in a different time. Right. And I I forgot that that's the time travel they went with. I always kept thinking it's like it's yeah. like lost. Like whatever happened happened. Um, but I don't get it though because if you're going to an alternate universe, when you run into oh no, they did run into their old selves. Yeah. But you could still do that by by um, completely linear time. I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's, the time travel is fuzzy in Endgame. But yeah. when he visits her in this movie and she's in her bed, she says something to me that made me think the same way you're thinking, where it's like, this Peggy Carter has been married to Steve Rogers and she's keeping it a secret. Mm. Because, and for you know, it's the it's the Russo. So if they were planting those seeds, that's really cool because she says to him, you know, he comes and he confides in her and he's sitting by her bedside. She says to him, sometimes the best we can do is to start over. Which is exactly what he does. Mm -hmm. He starts over. I think that's very telling. Interesting. Um, so I like to believe in my own little headcanon that uh, she has been married to Steve. See, but um, that's the beauty of it. I like the idea that... I, I love the idea that they leave it to the, to the viewer's imagination. Yeah. Like, they give you... They give you just enough clues to make up your own story mm -hmm. now you could be right you could be wrong but in the end who cares yeah exactly like, like so i agree with you man um so yeah uh now what i like is he goes to the museum and again small nod here but like i love the fact that they have a museum in, yes in the mcu about these characters because in the comics they make reference to that tony stark went to school and he learned about cap Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they should have a history about what Cap's efforts were yeah. and, and how evil the Red Skull and Hydra was, right? I mean, in real life, if, this, if, if there were superheroes running around, mm -hmm. if you were a guy named the, you know, the Mississauga Avenger and you were running around fighting intergalactic threats and stuff, even if people don't know your real identity... Everybody in the world is going to be like, yeah, the Mississauga Avenger, man. That guy's freaking great. There's going to be like stuff about you yeah. wherever you go. So it makes mm -hmm. perfect sense. So absolutely. So I love this. And uh, so then we get to go back to Cap. Or so we get to go back to Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. And he's going through the, the USB key that Widow found for him. Um, and it's locked under Nick Fury's name. And then he goes up to see... Uh, he goes up to see uh, Alexander Pierce. Ooh. Now, fun personal side note, mm -hmm. uh, in case our, our wonderful teachers are listening. Um, we went to school where our teachers told us right out of the gate that, you know, you're not going to see a lot of high-profile actors uh, join <laughs> superhero movies. <laughs> and I have to take this moment to, to say, in your face! <laughs> <laughs> because we have the one, probably the one we the one actor we even studied in school, mm. Robert Redford in the movie. Is it is is Alexander Pierce a, a comics character? Yes, he's uh, a comic book character. No, you're absolutely right. It's he's a what a classy casting choice and an interesting casting choice because um, Captain America is obviously a very old character, mm -hmm. and back in the day. During the golden age, like when the Cap comics were relatively new, mm -hmm. even back then there were always people tossing around ideas like, "Oh, this would be a cool movie. Can we do it?" And the like in the prime of Cap, back then, Hollywood's two choices to play him were Robert Redford yep. and Steve McQueen. 
No way. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it, it's really cool. I love when, when, when they do that. It, it's like uh, it's almost like a legacy casting. Like, yeah, he pretty much was... He would have been Captain America had this been made 60 years earlier. Absolutely. Well, it's funny It's funny you say that, too, because um, Alexander Pierce is actually from the original Captain America comics, uh, which is like the American, American comics, I guess. That's the best way to say it. But that was the golden age of comics, mm-hmm. and Robert Redford is from the golden age of cinema. So, yeah. uh, so it's nice to kind of have that meeting. Um, so it was really shocking to get a, an actor of that caliber. And, and guys, like, I kid you not, this, like... You know, you can talk to my classmates. You know, I have one here, but you can talk to my classmates. They will tell you that our teachers told us we would not see any high-profile actors in a superhero movie. Do you remember we were in? Um, I, I won't. I won't name names. I don't want to call people, but we were in a particular teacher's class. Yes. Uh, on the day that Spider-Man Three was coming out. Oh yeah. And everybody in the class. I mean. What was great about that class was it was such it was full of such eclectic tastes. Everybody was into different movies. Well said. Not everybody well was said. you know like we Collect- all love the same stuff. Yeah. Um, but everybody in the class was psyched for Spider Man Three. It yep. was like the biggest movie of, of all. And, time at, and at the time, Spider Man Two was like that was a game changer. Like, yeah, that was really good. So we were all looking forward to Venom getting game changed, even though that didn't really happen. Um, uh, that never happened. But. We were in the class, and I, at, at one point, the teacher's like, so what does everybody have planned for the weekend? And everybody's plans was to see Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And the teacher spent about 10 minutes talking about how you're, you, know, you can like a wide variety of films, but you're never going to see um, talented actors and talented writers working on a movie like Spider-Man 3. This- <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, I remember. I remember that because I remember them asking me what what kind of movies do I want to be in, and I told them superhero movies, and they're just like, I wouldn't put money on that. Ah. Yeah, but uh, but no, they they were trying to obviously protect our interests and making sure that we don't go out there and just fail flat on our face. But, Thanks, teachers. Thank you, but at the same time, in your faith. Woo! All right, so uh, so we get Alexander Pierce, mm-hmm. and uh, and then. And then we get Nick Fury uh, requesting that, you know, hey, you know, we should probably delay the launch. It's a gut feeling. Then he gets into the car. And this, I love this scene. This is where the heat influence comes in. Mm, yeah. Um, I love this scene. So Nick Fury, he's in the car and the cops look at him and then they're, he's like, whatever. And uh, so he gets, the car gets attacked. Now, what I love about this is the car... Uh, mentions the, that its flight systems are damaged. If you hear him say it, he goes, uh, he goes uh, vertical takeoff. He says vertical takeoff, and it right. says flight systems damaged. So they were clearly making reference because in the comic books, shield cars can fly. And in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Lola flies. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, that was a nice, funny... Uh, uh, and then, so the attack happens, and it's it's fun. It's a wild ride. Uh, we had to wait this long to get Nick Fury in an action scene, and I think it was worth the wait. Yeah, uh, we did have a small action sequence that I really enjoyed in Avengers, where they invaded the the bridge on the the helicopter, right, right. and you see him be all covert ops. He waits by the door, and he takes people out. Yeah, that's very true. quick. But this one, he has a lot of screen time in this movie uh, as a, as an action sequence. So what I love is he gets this hand cannon that comes out of the car and he just mm-hmm. takes he just mows down cops, driving through, trying to dodge all these cop cars and what have you. Um, and then uh, the cops have him pinned at one point, 
and then he ends up stopping at, a, at an intersection and a Pensake truck comes in and knocks the car off. And we see a Pensake truck a couple times, right? Mm. So on the during that time, uh, after reviews were coming out for this movie, everyone was asking the directors what was with the Pensake truck, right? Now, you could easily break it down corporately that it was clearly sponsored by Pensake, right? We don't know for sure. But the directors were quoted saying, well, the, the driver had a specific set of skills. And everyone started losing their mind because they all thought they were referring to the Punisher. Oh, I was thought, thinking of Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, that you know, that I think that was when Taken was, uh, was around, was it? Yeah, Taken came out in 2009, I think. Yeah, so... so so that could have been that joke of a reference, but mm-hmm. everyone, because Marvel fans will take any hint sometimes and just run with it, they actually thought that the Pensig truck was driven wow. by the Punisher, and then thought the Punisher was going to be a part of it. Because oh, it would have been uh, fitting. It would have been fitting for the tone that the movie was going for. Yeah, it, it, Punisher would fit in well with this movie. And mm-hmm. hey, they never said he's not in the truck. That's true. That could still... It could be a Punisher movie 2022 mm-hmm. that opens with him driving that truck into Nick Fury's uh, um, SUV. Is this the first car chase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, yes. Yes, it wow. is. Well, yeah, it had a very classic James Bond car chase feel to it, and I loved that about it. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get... He only saw, like, again, car... Like, fast car driving was in Iron Man, but it wasn't, like, yeah. a chase. It was just, like... It was just needed to get from point A to point B. Um, all right, so now the pressure's on. We got... Now, that scene, guys, they... That car chase scene, this was what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, this was actually their pitch to Kevin Feige of how they were going to do it. Ooh. They apparently had a big table, and they were showing all the cars and how it was going to go down. Oh, that's wicked. And, and, of course, I love, you know, you see Winter Soldier come in. He's got the glasses. The suit looks amazing. He's got the metal arm. And and he drops the disc. It hooks under the car. Uh. The car explodes and flips, which is really cool. Um, very Dark Knight-esque, if you want to look into it. Winter Soldier had an awesome theme music yeah the well. weird like Wah! yeah it was yeah. so twisted it was like there was like a an electric guitar in there and it was just like it, yeah. it just creeped you out and, and when he showed up and you know me not knowing anything about what this character is like in the comics i'm just like damn i'm frightened of him i i knew enough to know that it was bucky going into it spoilers um, spoilers but that's literally yeah i still to like i don't know why he's called the winter so like what is is that a a thing um because uh because he's cold-hearted (laughs) cold like the night well okay um no it's a couple references um uh so he because he keeps going getting put back on ice oh is the obvious one right but at the same time so so yeah he would literally that is the reason so essentially he goes out kills a couple people and then they put him back on ice until they need him and that's Mm -hmm. why he's called the winter soldier um so that's his code name and that's why his hair still looks fantastic Mm -hmm. yeah okay that makes sense indeed it does Mm -hmm. so here's a fun fact this is guys this is like i have yet to see any any other media review anything youtube channel no one else has caught this Okay? okay. Nobody. Okay. So this I'm is so a excited. Rebel Scum podcast 
network exclusive. exclusive. I'm so excited for this. I, and, and if you prove me wrong, cool, but I did not find anybody. So, Nick Fury makes it to the apartment, mm-hmm. okay? And and we meet Sharon Carter, Sharon Carter for the first time, very cute. Um, Emily Van Camp, another Canadian girl that they have on these, on these mm-hmm. Marvel movies. Uh, good job. Thanks for representing. Um, beautiful woman. Uh, and so she talks about her aunt being on the phone, obviously her aunt being Peggy Carter, yeah. which they haven't fully mentioned yet. Mentions the room uh, that, the, that the music was left on in the room. Go in the room, and they have a panning shot of a bookcase before they show, they show Nick Fury. On that bookcase, uh, the, the one of the books on the top in big, bold letters. This is not something that you, you kind of tease, like, without, or sorry, this is not something you kind of just put there. This is something you planned. Okay. You had to plan it. The book is called The Night Stalkers. Ooh. Now, in the Marvel, I was like, wait, that sounds so familiar. I know these people. Now, The Night Stalkers is an actual Marvel group. And Blade is one of the members. Yes. Yeah. And they're all about hunting vampires and taking them out. Wow. That is a good catch. Mm -hmm. I honestly can tell you that nobody has caught it. It's a a trio of occult experts uh, reluctantly banded together to fight supernatural threats operating under the business name Borderline Investigations. The team was comprised of vampire hunters Blade Frank Drake, uh, who had fought Count Dracula, and also they were gathered by Doctor Stephen Strange. Yeah, I I used to I had a trading card of the Night Stalkers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is such a good catch, man. I like that a lot. Honestly, I, I have. I, you guys seriously write to the show. Yeah. Let me know if you've seen it. No one else has caught this though. I have searched it through and through. Fun fact though, and we'll talk about this a little more when we get to the movie. But I did find the old reference of Doctor Strange, and I did send you the trailer. And uh, yeah, that old strange movie that can't be a strange movie, so it was something else. But it, it looks like a strange movie. Yeah. Its design, its set design was a strange movie, and they just changed the names. It was like Doctor uh, Merlot or something like that. Now I I didn't catch anything on that bookcase because I was too busy noticing something that I think is. The most obvious thing in the His world. His phone that's saying that everything's bugged? <laughs> uh, no, the the song that's playing is the same song that plays at the end of Endgame. Um, oh, my oh, wow. I thought I thought it was like... I wasn't even going to bring it up because I'm like, I'm sure everybody has caught this already because I'm because of the fact that I have not watched Winter Soldier since the theaters. Yeah. That's why it stood out for me because now I'm like, oh, it's the same song. But like, I always figured that everybody watching Endgame had already caught that. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the song from Winter Soldier. That's really cool. But it's that song. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, And that's the song Fury is playing to drown out whatever their conversation is going to be when Cap comes into the apartment. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that. That's we just really keep good. shocking each other. So, so first of all, uh, then he gets the, 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 the uh, Winter Soldier, gets those three shots in and hits. Ooh. Scared me the first time. I literally jumped out of my seat almost because it really caught me off guard. Um, and I love that Cap runs after him, and they still have that weird guitar music. Yeah. Um, and I love that when Cap throws the shield, he catches it. That scared me. It, that yeah. That was when I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do we do now? Now uh, we get the, we get to the hospital. Uh, Nick Fury's on his deathbed, essentially, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctor with the glasses is Joe Russo. 
Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so that's a fun little uh, thing. Um, and so, so that scene is really intense. Love seeing Maria Hill there and everything. Um, Any excuse to see Maria Hill is good. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll take her anytime. Throw her in. So throw her in. Uh, so Cap hides the stick and then... Then it's kind of a man, it becomes a manhunt after Captain America because he goes back to Alexander Pierce. They ask what happened to him. Um, Now, a question about Nick Fury, and this might just be, the answer might be like a duh, Andrew kind of answer, but I might just need you to remind me because just timeline-wise, my memory's fuzzy. So Nick Fury, he he fakes his death here because he's trying to basically fool Hydra into tipping their hand. Yeah. Uh, But in Age of Ultron... Two movies later, uh, he's still hiding out. He, when he talks to them, he's hiding out in Hawkeye's barn. He's still mm-hmm. laying low. Has there ever been a point that we see in the movies where he basically goes back out in public? He unfakes his death and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm alive and I'm back. No, because he's always off the radar. Only people that know about him are the people who funded S.H.I.E.L.D. That's, that's oh, pretty much it. Okay. Like He's not a public figure. So but. even like in Far From Home, when he's like recruiting Spider-Man and Mysterio and everything... He is, as far as the American government knows, dead. Yeah, he's off the radar. That's cool. Okay, see, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm like, did he come back? Does everybody know he's back? No, like, the whole thing is about S.H.I.E.L.D. is that they're supposed to be like shadows. Like, they're, they're like, not to sound like a spy metaphor here, but... Please, please do. Please no, no, like but that's what, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. that, that's what they are. They're shadows. Like, the whole point is, is like, they're like the men in black. Like, they, right. they show up. They show up to keep these things from leaking into the public. So, mm. you know, like Hydra, like the public would have probably never known that Hydra infiltrated like the American government. Yeah. Like they just like that's the thing. Like when Widow sells it out, that breaks what Shield was. And now now the American military knows about Shield now, all this stuff, right? Yeah. Like the only person who probably does know about Shield was Thaddeus Ross. Mm, yeah, and he's still around too. He's yeah, still he's, kicking. He's so. a higher ranking general. So we go through now. We go through the manhunt for Captain America. Love the manhunt. I love that he like he gets Widow to help him out. Um, and Widow. So they they go through the mall, which is I love the Apple Store thing where he's just yeah. like I've been Aaron. You know, like <laughs> so weird. Uh, such a weird but fun scene. Uh, and uh, I love how Widow has all these little things that even we don't think about. Like she's mm-hmm. like she talks about how like public displays of affection make people very uncomfortable. Yeah. And Cap's like, yes, yes, they do. <laughs> and like, like I love it. It's so good. So and when they're actually in the Apple store, mm-hmm. there's it's this thing I have. And I don't know if it's just a personal bias on my account, but like when like let's say i'm out somewhere and there's like 10 girls and all the, there's all these pretty girls and i'm like looking at them right mm-hmm. i will immediately be most attracted to the girl who is wearing glasses i just yeah. find glasses attractive and i felt the same way i think it works both ways when i saw steve rogers wearing glasses in the apple store i'm like chris evans is a good looking guy but i think he's even better looking with the glasses incognito yeah, yeah. like am i crazy no you're not no uh, you're not yeah glasses yeah. you you do something to people yeah now yeah. i would also be remiss not to mentioned that when cap after talking to pierce mm-hmm. um all the the elevator fight scene he has oh that elevator scene man. oh man talk about a cool fight scene i love and again like it's you really i love how they're emphasizing how well trained cap is and yes. it's all the little things like he picks up the guy that's sweating yeah that that guy who's sweating is so big he would if like the fact that he is sweating shows us 
how mm-hmm. scary it would be to go up against Captain America. Exactly. And I love how they crowd the elevator. Yeah. Rumlow talks about ballistics and all this stuff. Um, and then, uh, and so the fight scene's super cool. I love how they're like, they use the magnetic like handcuffs. Yes. And uh, and, the, and then like, uh, I love how Rumlow is like, easy big guy, just want to let you know it's not personal. And like, throws him through the roof and all that stuff. It's a great scene. And yeah, and then Jasper Sitwell is like mentioning that he, like he's on the run and everything. I love the superhero landing he does when he escapes the base mm-hmm. and then he takes out the, the the Quinjet and then lands on the ground with the shield. Great, great comic book pose. But going back to the manhunt with Widow, uh, Widow asks Captain America, how did he boost? Where did Captain America learn how to boost a car? And he goes and he says uh, something Germany. He says somewhere in Germany. This is a reference to the original Captain America movie because he actually steals a car. Oh my god, that's <laughs> hilarious. He actually steals a car, but it's not how you think. He doesn't boost it. He, he fakes that he's sick and he requests the driver to pull over and he does and he gets out of the car for a second. The guy comes out and, and leaves the car running and goes, oh man, are you okay? And he just runs in the car and takes off with it. <laughs> oh and he does this all... Wearing the cap outfit. <laughs> I've never seen those two cap movies, but I hear they are worth it. They, it is worth the time to have a chuckle. It, it is It is special. It's yeah. a special movie. I've never seen them myself. I've only watched the scene that they're talking about. Um, but what I did hear about those movies is if you want to see like a, how a true villain should look in a movie, they did say that the Red Skull looks super intense in that movie. Oh, cool. So it's definitely worth checking out. Um, so now they get, they, they get out, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man, this is one of my favorite scenes. They get out and they go find the base in New Jersey that Cap was trained Camp in. Camp Lehigh? Oh yeah, Camp Lehigh. Oh, when, when they get there and he's like... He has that moment where he's like seeing sort of the ghost of the past and he sees like his old training. I, I just found it funny. I guess they just couldn't be bothered to get Tommy Lee Jones to come back because there's just some like very generic DI who's just running their drills for no, that's them. The, that's the drill sergeant from the flag. That's the flag scene. That's the same guy? That's the same guy. Because I, I always thought. Come on, it, Rogers, let's go. I always thought it was um, Tommy Lee Jones who, who was drilling them during the flag scene. I didn't know there was another sergeant there. Were you watching the film? Did you watch it? Did you? Are you? Have you been lying to me this to whole be, time? I have. I, I was. I was watching Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver. Oh um, wow, that's a slap in the face. Maybe I was just too busy staring at Peggy Carter during all the Campbell High scenes in Movie One. Okay, to, I'm really gonna paint this picture for you. I'm just yeah. gonna stop you right there. I'm gonna paint this picture for okay. you. Okay. So they're all running. Yeah. Okay. They're all running. Uh-huh. And and. Uh, Peggy Carter's in the Jeep mm-hmm. and there's a drill sergeant that says a first man up gets the flag gets a ride home with Peggy Carter it's the same guy <laughs> that's cool that is cool yes. okay. I always thought I guess just in my brain it was always Tommy Lee Jones who was drilling them so when I saw this I'm like oh I guess they couldn't be bothered with Tommy Lee Jones that's fine you know I heard he's hard <laughs> no. to work with maybe they just didn't want to come back with it <laughs> They're referring to the scene where he's like super clever and he, yeah. he brings down the flagpole. The Mulan scene. Yeah, the Mulan scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and no, but he does. But uh, General Pattinson, by the way, which is Tommy Lee Jones' character, or not General Pattinson? Sorry, uh, I can't remember his name now. Um, I think it's General Lee Jones. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's General Harvey Dent. Uh, yeah. So uh, no, it's Colonel Colonel Phillips. Colonel Phillips. Yeah. Colonel Phillips. 
So thank you. That bought me a time. Uh, Colonel Phillips. I'm uh, not kissing he, you. He did the grenade scene. That was his drill sergeant scene. Where he does right. the, yeah, yeah, he does the grenade. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he breaks in the troops with Peggy Carter. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. I love this scene because we get they go down to the shield, first shield base, which is really cool, mm-hmm. and then we get Zola. I'm Zola. Oh my god, I love this scene. Or uh. they talk about and like he he mentions, um, and again, I have a theory that Zola is still alive, regardless that Pierce says they cost me Zola. I have a feeling that that Hydra has him somewhere else because why on God's green earth would they have created a USB port for Zola if had had it just been for that one for one dinky machine. little formula? Yeah, because yes, that room would have taken series and series of data banks, but I'm sure now they could just like plug them into an external hard drive of four terabytes and be like, "All right, we got you, Zola. We're good." Yeah, he's on like a flip phone now. When you he, open it, his face be hello. But that's what he, and it's funny because we talked about that in the first Avengers, is, uh, or uh, Captain America first Avenger, is that's what he's supposed to look like, except he's supposed to have a hat mask suit, and you see his face in the screen. Yes, yeah, they, they did an interesting thing where it's like, because normally they're so good at just like, here's how he looks in the book, we're going to take that and put it right on screen. Yeah. This way was different, but it was still Zola. His face is on the big screen. And they have the camera. The little camera. Yeah. It was <laughs> such a nice little touch. It, yeah. It's just so exciting to see Zola back there again mm. and it's a nice connective tissue to movie such one. a great scene and so so oh my god so uh he does the whole explanation of like how they've always been there now fun fact about this is they talk about um they talk about the assassination of uh the starks yes uh and we're not talking about game of thrones we're talking about the uh, Ooh, yeah well no, so, so so uh the assassination of stark's parents uh tony stark's parents Winter is coming. now here's the fun fact uh fun fact is they actually get the date right uh through consistently through all three movies of captain america wow they stay true to the date that's is nuts. See, that's what happens when you have directors who care about that stuff. Yep. That is what happens. Continuity, man. Yeah. Continuity on the highest level. So I love that scene, and I love how they bring back Zola, and I love how they explain that Hydra's been there. And again, talking about philosophy, like, you can't take it away. They have to give it willingly, like, mm-hmm. you know, freedom. Um and, and again, I love how they're talking about Red Skull's, like, victories and, and also his struggles and, and all this stuff. Um and then uh, they blow up the facility, uh, and so and a cool. It's cool how they fill that time of what Zola was up to in the MCU outside of uh, Cap story. Yeah. So I hope they didn't get rid of that character. I really hope they keep Zola and like find new ways to use him. Oh, he'd be so easy to bring back too. Oh yeah. Just have the screen, same face. Get Toby Jones in a studio, record some dialogue. Yeah. Oh, we're seeing him again. I I hope that he. I hope that Zola. Or um, yeah, I hope that uh, Zemo has him. Zemo. And then and then uh, Zola's been trying to help him become the new red skull i would love to see that okay i'm gonna call it right now okay okay in the falcon and winter soldiers show yeah zemo has him just like you're saying zemo's been using him for whatever his purposes are uh, maybe he helps zemo or somebody else build modok so we can see some modok oh my god and then he gets uploaded to christine everhart's phone <laughs> Because she's a nihilist, and he helps her. He gives her information on how to take over. The I world. was really hoping you were going to sell me on a really good theory, and then you brought back. 
It's not gonna happen. We'll it's see. not. We'll see. Phase six, baby. Dude, Phase I love six. you, man. I love you with all my heart, but it's not gonna happen. It's just gotta let it go. When it happens, I'm running here. I'm not even gonna drive. I'm running here, and I'm just gonna your climb face. your your apartment till I get to your window and just bang on the glass yeah. like in The Graduate and be like, I called you. <laughs> so oh man first of all it's 18 floors so climbing it it. from the outside i'll I'll be on pure adrenaline (laughs) at that point because i'll have heard that reveal so okay so zola's scene is great and then they go back to visit sam and then he shows the folder the exosuit uh and talks about talks about getting jasper sitwell and finding a little more detail I love again this it's just scene after scene after scene of greatness um so they go they go recruit Jasper Sitwell and they go find him and, and interrogate him mm-hmm. and I love how Cap's holding him on the roof and he's like uh he's like oh is this going to insinuate that you're going to throw me off the building it's really not your style and he's like you're right it's hers and then it's just <laughs> like boot uh, and then we get the beautiful introduction of like Falcon and, and his wings and, yes. and, and how he moves. Um, so he drops he drops Jasper and then Jasper goes through a list of, of things and talks about Zola's algorithm. And I love how they did this because they're talking about literally how you can literally use all this online data as a guidebook to figure out how things could potentially play out. Like mm-hmm. that's a scary thought that AI could easily take all of our test scores and everything and then like rate us in terms of how we can impact the world oh that is insane it's doing it to us as we speak we don't even know we we don't we don't we don't i cannot confirm or deny anything my phone is like ryan will be president uh i doubt that's gonna happen i really uh, you we'll, know? See. we'll see uh you can't do worse than what's but, happening right now yeah. zing <laughs> zing uh, but I, I would not be surprised if I get enlisted for some experimental superhero program and, you know, lo and behold. <laughs> if Peggy Carter's involved, I'll come help you. Yeah, I'll, I'll support. I'll enlist myself. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so Jasper mentions, now we were talking about how, like, Moon Knight's going to work in, in to work it into all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh Zola was talking about all these different things. Now he mentions a few titles of people, mm-hmm. like he mentions a TV anchor, or, or sorry, he mentions um, he mentions like an office person, but then he says a TV anchor in Cairo. Is that a Moon Knight thing? I think it is. I personally think it's tied to Moon Knight. Moon Knight has multiple personality disorder. Oh, I don't know if one of his personalities is a TV anchor. But it's possible. Is he in Egypt though? I thought he was a New York guy. He's he's from he's he's he. I know a, he's Jewish. The character yeah, is Jewish. The character's Jewish, but he goes to Egypt. He spends time in Egypt. Is he like an Israeli super soldier kind of thing? Kind of. Oh, well, okay, no, no, cool. no. So he gets his powers in Egypt. All right. So I don't know. This could this could play a factor. It's a very small reach mm. of a detail, but. I thought it was just very interesting. They highlighted a TV anchor in Cairo. Mm-hmm. Um. But they then they mention he goes Bruce Banner, and at the time we had no clue where the MCU was going at this point, yeah. and they drop one of the biggest names next to Bruce Banner, and they mention Stephen Strange. I got so excited when I heard Goose that. Bumps, especially because this is probably the most 
realistic, grounded Marvel movie. So Mm -hmm. for them to say the name Stephen Strange, it just did something to my brain where it's like, all I could think of was how are they, how are these people who are making this movie I'm watching right now, how are they going to make a Doctor Strange movie, man? I know. Like it just, it washed over me like a Kool-Aid tidal wave. Goose. (laughs) Man, your descriptions of things are so <laughs> accurate. Uh, but you no, know, legit goosebumps, man. Like, it was so crazy that they mentioned Stephen Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just my brother and I were just legit gasp moment and just like, <gasps> and we literally just grabbed each other and we're just in shock and awe because my brother was a big fan of Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only time I had seen Doctor Strange was in the Spider-Man cartoon, season three, episode, I think it's episode two. Oh, I love the fact that you know the season of um, It's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, By the holy hosts of Hoggoth. And I love when he, I loves when he calls out his spells. This is so entertaining. Um, but there's, I think it's, it's season three, episode two, one or two, but it's based on the sins of our thought, uh, sins of our fathers run, and so uh, Mary Jane uh, gets signed up into a uh, the cult, right? The cult, the yeah. Dormammu cult. Reunification cult, yes. Yeah, and so she yeah. gets reunited with her father because she wants to know why her father left her. Yeah. Uh, and Baron Mordo's using them to like hypnotize them and then give them powers to go do things, and they go steal the wand of Watum from Doctor Strange. And that episode's really fun because, again, we get a look at Doctor Strange and it was really well done and really great voice acting for that character. Anyways, they dropped the the Stephen Strange bomb. Pretty cool. My biggest regret in life is literally that I have not watched every single movie with me to watch you and Nick watch marvel movies. oh man that should be just its own thing is watch ryan and nick watch marvel well we got this podcast now we can this get this thing going there. again uh we got we got a whole new series of phases man we're That's good true we're um good. now we we skipped the biggest moment in the movie hail hydra um, oh yeah this was unlike anything that had been seen do you do you remember like the memes that hit the web after Hail Hydra, it was out of control. Dude, it was nuts. I there at the time I was watching Agents of Shield, like I was into it, and Agents oh, of Shield yeah. really got like it hit its stride after Hydra, after the Hail Hydra movement. This is this is true because well what happened was with Agents of Shield, it was playing catch up in a weird way with the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost as if there was a huge disconnect in communication. They just kind of waited for certain things to happen so they can do certain things. So I remember there was an episode they had, um, I think it was the fourth episode, they were recruiting, um, oh my God, her name escapes me now. Um, her name ended up being Daisy, but she had a different oh, name. Yeah, the, the the pretty girl, the main one. Yeah, um, oh, so beautiful. Uh I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember, but it, it ends up being Daisy. Yeah. Uh, so Daisy, uh, they ended up they end up catching up with her, and they're like, "Oh, you want to be with us or not?" 
And then they find out that they said they're oh we have to go find subject four two seven or whatever, and um and then she's like oh what's that and he's like oh the last one was a hammer like it was just like those little nods that like oh yeah the last movie like you know Thor movie happened and now we're talking about it but yes Hail Hydra was the first time legit after the movie happened yeah they told you watch the movie first and then watch the thing and then it's like get, I think yeah. I think it would air on Tuesdays that show yeah and so like. The movie came out on the Friday, yeah. and then five days later or whatever, four days later, was like, tune into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's happening at the same time. Yes. And that's that all about S.H.I.E.L.D., and S.H.I.E.L.D. is where Hydra hit hardest. Yeah. So all these characters, oh, I loved that Hail Hydra thing. I loved the memes. I loved how everybody in the world was just saying Hail Hydra. My favorite was, because there were so many memes that people would make of just like the most innocent trustworthy characters like mickey mouse or whatever and then like whispering like hey kids hail hydra and like turning on its head my favorite was there's this like old painting from like the 50s of a little boy lying in bed and he's being tucked in by jesus Mm -hmm. (laughs) and jesus is like holding his head and somebody wrote like underneath like hey kid hail hydra (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh terrible um so oh man so okay so then so going back to the jasper sitwell scene so they're driving down the highway and then we get the beautiful highway fight scene with Mm. winter soldier and uh and captain america and it's such a fun scene it's so good uh first of all jasper sitwell gets hit by a pensake truck again everyone thought it was the punisher um but to be honest like the timing you would have to pull that off is just absolutely ridiculous um so at this point what ends up happening is is that uh what ends up happening is they have the fight scene now the fight scene is really good sebastian stan apparently would spend time in the in cab rides and stuff like that just flipping the knife between hands so he can actually that's why in the fight scene you see him do like this one two punch combo and during that he throws the knife and catches it with the other hand oh my god and it's incredible. As as someone who really enjoys fight scenes, I was all over that fight scene. Yeah. It was really well done. That like the Russos, every fight scene they had in that movie is just like nonstop hit after hit. Uh, and the and then you see Captain America deflecting bullets with the shield, which is really cool. Uh, and then. Um, and then you got, you know, everyone's like going after each other. Uh, uh, sorry. Every, yeah. Like Falcon's taking out guys on the rooftop and all this stuff. Uh, and then Widow fights Winter Soldier, gets shot, which is really cool. Um, and so fast forward a little bit, they get saved by Maria Hill. That was a fun scene. She's mm-hmm. one of the guards. Uh, very Agent Shield, and uh, and that's the kind of Agent Shield stuff we like to see. Uh, there's a note I have here, and I don't know if I need to bring it up yet. No, I do not. So uh, then we get the finally who the hell is Bucky scene, mm-hmm. uh, which is a classic line from the comics. Um, and I love it. And you kind of know it was going to happen, but in the end, it was still fun to watch. It yeah, fun. it's fun to watch Cap discover it because that's yeah. a big deal for him. Now, I, um, for me, the thing about Captain America, again, not being a comics guy, is I was really familiar with his origin, mm-hmm. familiar with his World War II. He gets the serum. Project Rebirth. Yeah. Uh, project. He fights the the Nazis. He fights Red Skull. Then he goes in the ice and wakes up in modern day. Mm-hmm. But I could before these movies came out, I couldn't have told you a single Captain America story about what kind of stuff he was doing after getting thawed out. Um, mm-hmm. So my question was, 
the Winter Soldier, is he... Like, I know of him in the modern, like, Ed Brubaker comics from, like, 2007 and everything like that. But was that his first appearance, or was Winter Soldier, like, an 80s character? Like, has he been around for a long time? He's been around for... Well, okay. His... Actually, no. I think his first appearance was Winter Soldier, and they kind of, like, shoehorned him into, like, all these events. So, no, I don't think he was there the whole time. Mm, So they basically did what the movie did, where it's, like... Here's this new character, Owen, but like he's been doing this. Well, and that. they what they did was really clever, and this is something I personally appreciate. Um, was that you had this character Bucky that existed in the old Cap comics, and mm-hmm. then you and then you have you have the '90s Marvel and early 2000s Marvel where they're like they're doing all these major story events, and for Winter Soldier, they they looked at Cap's story and they like what what are we doing with this Bucky guy? And what a what a brilliant way to bring him back! Like they brought him back in such gusto that it just was it felt right, mm. and it was super cool. But yeah, no, he wasn't he wasn't doing anything. Like Bucky had like his own comic run, but it wasn't it wasn't Winter Soldier. It was Bucky as Bucky, but he obviously didn't do too well and did sell a lot of comics. And so. Bucky as Bucky during World War Two. Yeah, yeah, okay, it just happened adventures in World War. That's II. cool. Um, so, so yeah, so they, they revitalized him and gave him some love there. Uh, so fun fact is that, you know, we have the great fight scene, uh, we find out Nick Fury's alive, uh, but, and then they kind of go over to Bucky and, uh, what I love about this is you see a shot of two scientists. Fun fact, those two scientists were actually the comic book creators of the Winter Soldier story. Oh, Ed Brubaker is one of them. Because I know he wrote for Cap back then. I don't remember the names, so I'm not going to confirm or deny. All right. I confirm it. It's a no. Uh, No, that's really cool. Um, And it makes perfect sense, too. They're literally there creating him. Uh, I used to read... I've mentioned this before a lot. I used to read Wizard Magazine back around the time you and I met. Yeah. And that's how I would learn these things about what was going on in comics. But I was also heavily into Wizard's sister magazine, which was called Toy Fair. Oh, okay. They were talking about action figures and stuff like that. Yeah. And Toy Fair did this feature every month called Twisted Toy Fair Theater. It was a comic inside the magazine. What? But instead of being illustrated, it was uh, like action figures, toys, photographed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they only had the rights to use Marvel characters. DC wouldn't let them use DC characters. So the, the whole cast, yeah. So the whole cast was like mostly Marvel and then like some Transformers some G.I. Joes and stuff like that, but it was mm-hmm. like 80% Marvel. And it was funny because that was my first sort of um, exposure to Bucky was through this comic. But this this comic is totally played for laughs. It's very like R-rated. Laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, the way they do Bucky and Captain America is Cap being from the 1940s, they make him extremely sexist and racist. He's like an, a racist old man. <laughs> It was like, well, you know, back in the 40s, if I met a, a young girl who was of Thai descent, I would show her what's what. Like, he just says the most oh, awful, awful wow. things. Oh, that's terrible. And then Bucky, they made him, like, this wide-eyed, like, boy wonder teenager who's always like, golly, Cap. And then he's always, like, getting, like, hurt or injured or killed or whatnot. Um, so that was my first exposure to Bucky. And then, like, going from that to this movie was <laughs> quite a leap. Yeah, oh, for sure. By the way, yes, it was Ed Brubaker. Yay, Ed Brubaker. So you got that right. 
Um, so, oh, and the Twisted Toy Fair Theater also made fun of Falcon a lot for how <laughs> lame Falcon was. Yeah, he's a he's a weird character for sure. Um, so yeah, so uh, I mean, you know, continuing forward, uh, I love they mentioned that you know uh, Nick Fury faked his death by using uh tetradotoxin d or whatever it's called and he's like oh it's something banner made and again little nod to a character but i love it um and then cap he uh he's like no we got to take down shield we got to take it down all because you know everyone's the problem uh and i love it i love that you know they're like okay all right you're calling the shots let's go and then we have this epic battle now everyone keeps saying you know this battle was so big in washington where were the other avengers at the time they probably had their own stuff to deal with. I mean, like, you know, Spider-Man had had a freaking helicarrier essentially falling from the sky. Or sure. a massive plane, and he had to handle that on his own. So it's not surprising. Iron Man was dealing with mandarins mm-hmm. and, and things. Thor was in England doing... <laughs> Thor is off-planet. Yeah, <laughs> Thor was off-planet. Hulk yeah. was busy making these toxins so that Nick Fury can keep faking his death. yeah. Well, Hulk doesn't like to be Hulk, so yeah. let's put it that way. Um, I wonder where Hawkeye was, though. That's true. Is he just on his farm? Just be like, hey, I'm on my farm. That's my Hawkeye. Yeah, I'm on my farm. I have my wife. <laughs> um, so so anyway, so uh, yeah, it's a big epic battle. Super fun. Um, not any real big highlighted moments we need to point out. There were some actors from the community in it. Yes, uh, yeah, Danny Pudi, one of the first of many community um, mm-hmm. cameos because they, they threw them in whenever they could. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do get a fight scene with Rumlow finally kind of being more crossbonesy. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see his armor, though, until Civil War. Uh, and then... Uh, and then, yeah, so Widow leaks her secrets out. Uh, again, we don't need to talk about too much about the, the details of the fight scenes. Um, but what I will mention also is the World Security Council. They did change up some of the actors on oh, okay. the Security Council. I love their holograms, by the way. Yeah, the holograms is really cool. Uh, But they did change around some of the characters, but most of them are still part of the World Security Council. Um, But I did want to point out, so Widow leaks the secrets out there, and she uses her Widow Stinger. We get to see her Stinger Uh, for the first time. Uh, And she says those things sting. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Let me uh, see what you did there, Scarlet. Yeah, so she leaks it out, and so uh, and then you see Widow later talking to Cap, being like, hey, Cap. Um, I pulled a few strings and got this folder. So that could be a nod and a tie-in to her getting pulling those strings from her friends in um, Russia. In Russia. More like she pulled a few stings. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the what the Black Widow movie contributes to the lore. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty much all but confirmed now that it is after Civil War, correct? It's, after they run away it's, from Civil War, she goes... Yeah, it's after roughly around Civil War time yeah. and be- just before the events of Infinity War. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's that's going to be cool. Uh, and by the time this episode, this Winter Soldier episode airs, we'll be about a month out Ooh, from Black Widow. We'll, yeah. We should actually be, if my math is right, right around the time that the new James Bond comes out, which is fitting because this is a very spy ish movie so there you go it's like we themed it 
without even realizing. By there the way, you go. I'm giving you a sneak preview because this won't air till then anyway. So you're the first person in the world to know. Uh, but on my channel, I'm doing a countdown to Bond where I will be doing a retrospective Ooh. of every Bond movie for the 25 days leading up to Bond 25. Oh my God, that's going to be cool, yeah. man. Uh, my favorite's Goldeneye, though. Goldeneye. I love that one. So good. Well, that is awesome, dude. That's very exciting. Very much looking forward to that, for sure. And you guys, I hope you're tuning in and checking out his YouTube channel. It's pretty awesome. Aww, thank you. All right. So that is it for Winter Soldier, guys. Um, we really grinded through a lot of details in this movie, really uh, mostly taking place in the beginning and middle there. Um, oh, wait. We missed some big things, though. What did we, we miss? We missed a lot of big things. First of all, there's a great Marvel moment. You were talking about great Marvel moments in movies, and I think one of the best Marvel moments... When Bucky picks up the grenade and throws it in the plane. <laughs> that's pretty cool, too. Oh, um, Falcon, uh, Falcon's action sequence, too. That's really cool. That is cool. That yeah. is also cool. But what I'm thinking of is the moment where we see Nick Fury's eye. Yes. You have to keep both eyes open. That is oh, true. I love that Very one so cool, much. Yeah. That might be my favorite quote in phase two. Okay. That's okay. which is that's a, there's a lot in phase two, so that, yeah. that's saying something. Um and then um yeah, then they have that great fight, which like I pointed out before, the the helicarrier fight between Cap and Winter Soldier, it looks like Empire Strikes Back, which is still fitting because this is Cap's Empire. This is his second movie. Uh, like what uh, you did there. Um, now, here's a question. Yeah. The epitaph on Nick Fury's tombstone. Yes, I forgot about that. That's reference to Pulp Fiction. It is that. Okay, I wrote that down because I wasn't the sure. Path is of that the Righteous the Man, thing? yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, all right. I'm so glad that that was a thing. Uh, <laughs> um, that's right. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's. I, I saw that and I was like, I don't know if that's the same one, but Ryan will know, so I'm going to write it yeah. down. Um, but I, I have like my my biggest takeaway, which I love, is, is that you know me, you know you know what my tastes are. I love long form storytelling, and I love movies that aren't afraid to end on cliffhangers. Yeah. And this was arguably, you could argue that this is not the case, but I believe this is the first Marvel movie that has truly ended on a cliffhanger. And Ooh. I, I think there's a big difference. Like, look at a movie like. Okay, Spider-Man 1, for example. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1. I don't consider it a cliffhanger ending where you see Harry Osborn opening up that room and he finds out, oh, my dad's the Green Goblin and then scary music plays and saying like, oh, this is going to come into play in the sequel. Mm -hmm. To me, that's not a cliffhanger ending. To me, that's just spreading seeds for a sequel. Every movie does that. To me, this is a cliffhanger ending where it's like, like the... The Winter Soldier, who is the crux of this whole movie, stopping him is the crux of this whole movie, he gets away. Yeah. And the movie ends with Cap saying, let's go find him. And Falcon's like, all right, when do we start? That, to me, is like, mm, because mm -hmm. I know part three is going to be all about that. It's going to be yeah. picking up that thread. Yeah. Because um, guess what? Spider-Man 2 was not about Harry Osborn uh, <laughs> becoming the Goblin or whatever. Definitely that was. wasn't. So that's uh, that, to me, is a true cliffhanger ending and it really had that feeling and i love that and it's a nice big long movie too this is not a oh, short yeah movie. Like uh, you know and i also can't believe i didn't talk about the end credit sequence that deserves a little attention oh as yeah well. no we haven't got we'll get to that we'll get to that what else you got um i i was looking up the the movie 
on Wikipedia to try to find some facts. And I found an interesting fact that's mm-hmm. more funny than interesting. Okay. So at the bottom of every Wikipedia page for every movie, there's a little list, of like a little graph. Reference, right? Um, or, or no. Above the reference. Oh, okay. You're, you're going way down the bottom. <laughs> slow, slow down there. Woo, sorry. There's this chart that tells you what awards, if any, the movie has won. And I thought this was this made me laugh really hard. Apparently, Ryan. Okay. There's an actual award called the Joe Barber Award for Best Portrayal of Washington D.C. And this movie won. Oh my god! <laughs> oh wow! So if this movie won, yeah, what lost? <laughs> who's, what, was, who's, what was the other nominations? Who's, who's like you're watching? It's like okay, this one where the heli- where you know it's just corruption all throughout yeah. the U.S. government and the helicarriers are destroying the whole town. This is the one we want. Who who are I, the losers? I think I can tell you who lost. Let me just double check real quick. Uh, yeah, because I think it was Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard. Was oh it? no, did that come out the same year? I'm trying to check it out right now. <laughs> Because it was um, 2007. Uh, I was close, but it wasn't close enough. Mm. But that had Washington in it. It did have Independence Day also had Washington. Isn't that just like, that is the great, the Joe Barber Award for Best Portrayal of Washington, D.C. Like... That's yeah. when the Russos were making this movie. That's what they had their eye on. Yeah. That was the ball. That was the prize. It wasn't an Oscar. It nope. wasn't the Infinity War and Endgame. It was like, I really want that freaking Joe Barber award, man. How can we get this? Feige, we are going to get you the Joe Barber. <laughs> we may not get you the Oscars, but we'll get you Joe Barber. See this sure. little pitch we have with the cars? We're going to show you this car chase works out. Yeah, but is, is this movie going to be Joe Barber material? Trust me, Kevin. It will win. <laughs> For sure. Oh, boy. Well, that was a really good Easter egg you picked up there. <laughs> um, I I want to know who lost that award a lot. Uh, but yeah, that, that post credit scene. Um, the twins. Oh, my God. Okay, so first of all, I've been watching a lot of Marvel cartoons at the time. And I will tell you right out of the gate, one villain that is... Uh, very much as a part of Cap's villain roster is Baron Strucker. Baron Strucker, yeah. Yeah. Now, his backstory is really convoluted. He basically has a gauntlet that allows him to drain the youth out of people and allows him to stay young. That's the way his gauntlet works. Clearly, they're not going to do that for this. I I think Catherine Zeta-Jones has the same gauntlet. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's the Witchblade gauntlet. Ooh, I've always wanted to read Witchblade. I heard that comic's great. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, So so he has this gauntlet that keeps him young. And then there's always a battle for the throne. And like him and Zemo have a lot of of battles for the throne. Because again, they both have the same level of reputation for the for ruling Hydra. Mm-hmm. Um, Strucker, uh, Str- so in the end credit sequence, they bring in Strucker. I love the actor they picked for him because a, a perfect Thomas Kretschmann, physicality, right? yeah, yeah perfect great. physicality of the character. Um, now I love this because they bring him in, and in uh, Age of Ultron, they do mention Cap mentions, oh, you know, you were you were. Uh, teenager for hydra you know and, and the world war two times but i don't know how old that you know makes him 
or uh, make Strucker, but I, I can't figure out the math here. Anyway, but my point is, is again, we get Strucker, and I love how he's like, he's like, shield, hydra, two sides of a coin that are no longer currency. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a good one-liner? That is a good one-liner. Yeah, that's great. And then he goes, he talks about the experiments. Now, what they're doing here is they're clearly saying that they're trying to make mutants. Yes. Yeah. Um, because Wanda and Pietro are actually a, uh, they are actually what they're called Inhumans. Uh, so oh, I they was, count as Inhumans. Though. They actually count as Inhumans. They were counted as mutants for the longest time, and then there was a story arc about how they how they are mutants, um, and it's through the results of uh, uh, genetic manipulation by a character known as the High Evolutionary. And you actually get to see this intro in, or this uh, backstory in the X-Men cartoon. I was going to say, because she's, I know, all I know about her going into this was she's Magneto's daughter. Yes, they're both kids of Magneto. Right. Um, but the High Evolutionary takes these kids and... Um, Oh, my brother would hate me for not remembering the name because he used to tease me about it all the time. Nick, where are you? Let's uh, channel him. I'm channeling him. Uh, Wonder Gore. Wonder Gore. Oh, that worked. As soon as you said I'm channeling yeah, him, it hit you. Wonder Gore. That's his name, Wonder Gore. No, that's the that's where they that's where they were taken to a place called Wonder Gore. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's like this big mountain. It sounds like yeah. if like. Eli Roth made an Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Wondergore. Wondergore. Uh, well, Ma- uh, Mount Wondergore, uh, where the High Evolutionary is, Pietro and Wanda were raised by a cat, a bipedal cow, essentially, that's like human body and a giant cow head. I'm not surprised at all by this. Yep. Um, you know, classic Marvel storytelling. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, so uh, they're clearly being... Clearly, they kind of MCU'd that story and used Strucker to do experiments, which I love. I love that Hydra was doing genetic experiments, and then you see the twins, and you, and again, the, the visuals they created for them. Oh, oh my God. Drool. Oh, so good. And I remember finding it so frightening in the yeah. theater because we've just sat through like two hours and 20 minutes of... Like a great superhero movie, but where one where essentially nobody has powers. Everybody was running around yeah. fighting the military way. And then they basically set up like, hey, Cap's next to adversaries are going to be these people who are very powered uh, to the point where they have to be locked in cells. Yes. And they are those cells are bursting at the seams. Like they're not going to be locked in there that much longer. So to me, that was like a perfect way of making these two, even though I knew with my limited comic knowledge, I knew they're not really going to be bad guys. Nope. I knew that these two are destined to be heroes. They, they, It succeeded. It succeeded in making me frightened for Cap and being like, oh man, how's he going to take out these two now? Right. It did the job. Because Strucker is not, especially having seen Age of Ultron, he's not that big of a threat they take him down with one punch like Strucker is kind of a wuss in the MCU I that's what I hated like he he has such comic presence in the in in the comics and the cartoons and they literally give him combined total like 20 minutes of screen time oh if that if that if that he's he's only in the pro like they beat him in Age of Ultron before you even see the title yeah of Ultron yeah so, so so 10 minutes let's say 10 yeah. minutes of screen time oh, so our microphone just jumped it's, it's okay are we okay we're good we're good all right 
Um, but yeah, you get you get very little very little screen time with them. So um, it's a real shame. But it was honestly, in terms of end credit sequence, one of my faves. Mm-hmm. This is we're talking like right up there with Thor: Dark World's end credit sequence, which oh. is uh, the Collector. Yeah. I still wish I. Oh God! Why couldn't I have just time traveled and gone to that theater and watched you and Nick just see that scene? Oh my God! Was it as soon as they said? I, I forget. Was it as soon as he says Infinity Stones, or is it when he says One Down, Five to Go? Uh, it was first. It was two levels. It was two waves of shock. First wave was. Uh, it would be unwise to keep two Infinity Stones so close, uh, so close together from mm-hmm. Volstag. And then, so we're just stunned at that moment. And the second hit was when he goes, one down, five to go. And that's when it's just face melts. Just, like, have you ever seen Raiders, that face melt moment? That's what happened to my brother and I. It was incredible. I'm picturing it, and it's funnier than it should be. It was so incredible. So... Yeah, good times. Uh, yeah, I, I really this this um this post credit scene always stood out to me. Like it was such a great segue into a uh, Age of Ultron, but yeah. like just like to get you pumped and excited and remind you, like, hey, this is a series where people have powers, even though mm-hmm. you just watched a great movie where we proved you don't need to have anybody with powers to make a good movie. Uh, there's still threats out there that are supernatural. That's right. Um, so I just loved every bit of that. Yes. Now, that being said, uh, we should go to our little cemetery. Yes. Uh, so just to update, I've, I've updated the encyclopedia. So I've added who we said before, and then I added Strucker and uh, Wanda and Pietro. I mm-hmm. think that's everybody. So who died? Did Alexander Pierce die? Alexander Pierce is dead. He did. He uh, ended up by, he died by saying Hail Hydra while that's he's right, on yeah. the ground. Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton's dead too. All right. Pete. And also question, but this is a question mark. Zola. Zola died. Oh, that is a great question. I'm going to actually add a question mark on him. Zola. Okay. So Alexander Pierce's gravestone is obviously going to say Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Yeah. I feel like Zola's gravestone is like an old computer with a stone screen. Right, <laughs> the blue screen. It's just the blue screen, and it just says underneath, like "Rest in peace." <laughs> it should say "Loading." Or it says "Not a scratch, doctor. Not a, not not a, a scratch." scratch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's so many. <laughs> uh, all right, so you know what time it is. What time is it? It's time to give this movie a stone rating. Gauntlet. Infinity. Give oh, me a gauntlet. Give me a gauntlet. Oh, I'm so generous God. with these, but give me a gauntlet. <laughs> Um, no, actually, I'm not. I'm not terribly generous, but Iron Man, Cap, and Winter Soldier, all, all, all I believe I've given a gauntlet to. Oh, and Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave this is literally like six point eight Infinity Stones. You just should just give it a gauntlet. I, the, yeah, it's so close. It's so close. Um, no, I would give it a gauntlet, and I, I could argue so many reasons why flawless movie um no there's no i have zero issues with this movie there's not one thing i would have done differently you know what you're swaying my vote i'm turning it into a gun yeah you are I'm turning it into a gun proud of you i know that was hard it was hard yeah 
No, it's just there's so many Easter, there's so many comic book Easter egg references so well placed Mm -hmm. that it didn't feel like it dropped, forced, anything. Pacing was incredible. The the villain was fantastic. And you got different layers of villainy. You had someone as light as like the Leaper, but someone as heavy and deep as Zola. Uh, and, And on top of that, you have Winter Soldier who's like the middle ground, but like... It's crazy. And even though, as a comic book fan, you knew it was Bucky, it was like, how did we get here? Was the yes. was the question. And it, they just took you there the whole way. And Alexander Pierce, so good as yeah. a villain. And for me, again, what I'm about to say sounds like if this was coming out of any other person's mouth, it would be a complaint. But for mm-hmm. me, this is not a complaint. Is I love how you can feel that this is going to be a long movie. That oh, this is going to be an epic yeah. movie. And I feel that... When we get to the highway fight where he first finds out that Winter Soldier is Bucky, where he first sees his face. Because you get that fight where he's with Falcon and Widow and they're out on the highway and all those Hydra guys are shooting at them and Winter Soldier shows up. And I feel like in any shorter movie, Mm -hmm. this fight wouldn't have happened and that whole chunk of time would have just been a lead up to the climax. Yeah. And the climax would happen. Right. But this was like a a post-mid-act fight and then you get the lead up and then you get the climax. Mm-hmm. And this is the point where, I, you know, you can just feel in the, um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the rhythm of mm-hmm. the plot yeah. that other movies would be close to wrapping it up now. Yeah. And this is just sort of the turning point where he discovers the thing. And that's for me, that just gets me all giddy inside because I'm like, oh, I'm in for something big and ginormous it, and epic. Oh, yeah. It's, it, and like the last scene is just a massive battle and it's so fun. I actually did forget to mention one thing. Uh, the uh, the uh, the speech he does in the base at the at the shield base, where he's like, "The price of freedom is high." Yes, it's the price I'm willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually from uh, that was from Captain America: First Avenger, where they're talking about. Uh, they're talking about the the scrap the boys in the little scrap metal thing. Oh yeah! And they mentioned that the price of the freedom is high, but it's the price they're willing to pay. So it's, and he goes, "Did you just come up with that?" Is is a play on that? He heard that before. Yeah, that's oh, that's so cool. Yeah, good catch. Good catch. Anyways, on that happy note, the price of freedom is high, but we are paying the price gladly to rewatch the Infinity Saga, yes. and uh, we have now wrapped up with Captain America: Winter Soldier, a movie that deserves an Infinity Gauntlet, not a six point eight. I don't even know why you'd suggest a six point eight when you're, you're right. clearly a point two points away from giving it a gauntlet. Just give it the freaking yeah. gauntlet. My my logic is so stupid when it comes to that because i'm always like i know i like civil war even better Mm -hmm. so like should i try to make this one lower just because and but it does make sense like they can still both be infinity gauntlets and i could still like one more than the other yeah i just have to i'm so bad at rating (laughs) i think i think because you are a storyteller and a writer yourself you have to give it some level of criticism because as a writer you have to go through so many edits and iterations that you have to I feel like you went through many reviews of this and you're like eh, I don't know but in the end you just sit back and be entertained 
you know, who's not entertained is whatever animal's making that noise. I think uh, it's a puppy. I'm uh, not sure. Uh, that, was, that was a loud squeal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the mic picked that up, but some animal outside the apartment is not having a great night. Nope. Um, you know what I just realized? Mm. This entire time, you know where I've been? Where? On your left. Oh. Oh, with that, good night, everybody. <laughs> Have a marvelous day. <laughs>